State of Mind Appendage Report. This is exciting. We've had a, a challenging little bit, but we got it together, and it's it's going to work out great. I'm surrounded by authors today, and uh, there's uh, Eric Hall, and there's Matt Shea, and, uh, and I'm Kevin McDonald, and this is my Independence Report, and this is transient, transient, transient. I wish I could say that, but that's okay. And Eric, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good. I'm going. It's a beautiful day, just the kind of spring day we like. You know, lots of color, some sunlight, a little bit of clouds. You know, not too hot, not too cold, and uh, we get to see Matt She. Shay. Shay. That's what I said. <laughs> and I think like that guy at the restaurant wearing that hat and eating the cake. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. And there, and there is uh, Matt Shea, or she, or Matt, somebody. And, no, and, and there's Matt Shea. He is an author. He's got nine, 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 nine books to his credit. Actually, oh I have gosh. eight, but number nine is almost out. Holy he's got almost gosh. nine books to his credit, and uh, he's 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 a great guy. And uh, the three of us, it was fun. We had lunch the other day, and we had so much fun uh, just chatting about that. Uh, we decided, you know, why not to create something that would be fun for all of us to do? So, so I'm glad. And and Matt is just figured out the technology, and it's worked out great. He's got a, a beautiful smile there, and it's worked out really well. We can see each other, and it's really pretty cool. So, uh, welcome everybody to the show. And uh, we've got an interesting topic that Matt has no idea what we're going to talk about. So this ought to be cool. <laughs> Um, well, first, first of all, Matt, you live north of town these days, and north yes. of Seattle. Yeah, that's that's where all the cops are moving to, from what I hear. So, uh, Eric, would you tell us, give us a little bit of uh, uh, background on what you know about the topic that we are going to discuss today? It's a little frightening. Well, it is. It is a little frightening. It's a little eye opening because we've had some really good progress, you know, in, in my opinion, in the justice system, at least some eyes opening about uh, the ramifications of how we treat people. But there's, uh, there's always growing pains involved in uh, when a society moves forward. And I do believe that we're making forward progress, but there is some pain going on. And the pain of that right now, you can see in the Seattle Police Department, and Seattle is a, a progressive city, as we all know, and we're regarded as a uh, pretty wealthy city. I mean, we've got a uh, man. I mean, we're home for Microsoft, Boeing, Amazon, uh, UPS. I mean, you name your in industry, coffee, Starbucks, uh, you name your industry. We're probably at the forefront. We've got one of the companies who are at the forefront. What that means is that we're very progressive. We're, we're a place that has plenty of ideas, which means that we have a lot of youth-driven activities here. We've got a, a UW campus that's uh, very progressive in, in medical and law and business. And how that affects us is this. We have a very progressive city council at the moment. In fact, I'm going to say a word that's very misunderstood. We have a socialist person that uh, by the... How could you say such a thing? 
I did. I, I said a socialist, and her name, I forgive me if I pronounce it incorrectly, uh, Kishama Swanti. was a beautiful woman, by the way. She used to be a software uh, designer. Well, before she's been in office, yes. I, I was just going to say before we go uh, into the in depth, let's let's do the uh, um, the headline, which uh, is mass exodus in the Seattle Police Department. Yeah, uh, I was just reading here that they're anticipating losing two 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 hundred officers before the end of the year which will take them to levels that are lower than 1990. Yes, which so, uh, means means that our emergency systems are drastically affected. Yes, it, it does. So, so continue. I just wanted to set that up so that people had some idea what we were talking about. Yeah, and, and that's good to point out because if uh, somebody calls the cops, it could take a few minutes to get some help which is going to have some very bad ravifications, particularly the town that I live, you know, in the part of town that I live in, which has some issues. You know, I mean, we have uh, a few Saturday night specials in this area. I live right on the border of White Center and Burien. And sometimes there's gunfire on the left, sometimes there's gunfire on the right. And it, you know, sort of takes turns. And I just sort of, I lay a little bit lower in my bed and hope the bell that's clear over my head. Now, what? White Center, is, <laughs> White Center is quite the area. It really is. It's yeah. quite the area. A lot of good food. A lot of great food. Yes, sir. White Center <laughs> used to be famous hand. many years ago. And for example, you know the skating rink in White Center? Yes. At one time, they had boxing champions there. Really? Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis, among others, have done title fights in that skating rink. People forget that. It's like the Coliseum at one time the Beatles played there. That skating rink was part of the circuit for the highest level of professional boxing. I never knew that. Yes. I didn't either. And I was That's a boxer. Fantastic. Is that right? That is yes. fantastic. Yeah. Wow. And, see, so White Center wasn't always in where it is now it's 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 declined i think it's fair to say in all seriousness it's fair to say it's declined over the years and there is a lot of gang activity and there is a lot of drug activity and there's just a lot of activity activity there is there is and this uh shama swante she's been in trouble as uh, a few of a few of our other a few of our other city council members have uh been toe-to-toe -to -toe with uh, the Seattle Police Department, both in cutting the budget as thin as possible, severely, where they just don't have the budget to deal with their jobs at times, where they have to cut back uh, their personnel to the bone, where their detectives just can't get around to as many cases as they'd like. And there's been a point where they have even said some of the wrong things, like if you're white, your job is in trouble. You know, and that's when they were dealing with uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement at the forefront of that. And there was even a point where uh, there was some violence going on when her Moktov, uh, Moktov, uh, what do they call those? Moktov bombs? The Moktov cocktail. Cocktail, thank you. Being thrown at the police department there at uh, Capitol Hill, you know, and things like that. And people got away with it. So 
as much as we've moved forward and deal with our justice, it's cost us some. And it's cost our concept of policing. <clears throat> it's cost us a good police force. Our police force has a reputation of being brutal at times. But here's where humans really suck at moving forward. Because we don't take time to think ahead about our actions. And, and I don't really don't have the answer to this. Historically, we suck at moving forward. We have wars or we, we take steps and not everybody's ready to take those steps. And we can point out different circumstances. You know, uh, the women's movement, when we uh, finally got around to giving women equal rights, we didn't handle that well. And it still should have been handled well. What's that? Still don't, by the way. We still don't. We, we haven't handled it. We didn't think that through. Uh, civil rights movement, you know, that's taken more than, you know, that's taken 400 years. I mean, we just suck at moving forward. And again, we're proving it again. Oh, yeah. The man's got his hand up. I'm from South Seattle, and the show yeah. 60 Minutes wanted to do my senior class in 1976, excuse me, because we were the most integrated classroom the nation ever had. If you recall the show Room 222, that yes. was basically us. They didn't do it, but they almost did. Now, what I want to point out something is that we got a rebellious society. If you look at Tanya Harding and if you look at uh, Don King and others, they got there by default. It became greatly trendy and encouraged to go against the grain and defy. We got wonderful police, but more and more we have an opposition against them where the police are more and more restricted to do their job. I don't fault the police. I fault an attitude that society has where we're just going to rebel. We have people, and I've worked with some of them, that decide they don't have to work. They're going to do this and that. I've worked with people that say, you don't understand. We can get a settlement. We can get a lawsuit. I don't fault the police. I fault everybody's home value. Rebel, speak out, go against the grain. Sometimes the police are at fault. But to generalize, it's such a large momentum. If they do anything, people cry foul. Well, you know, guys, I and, and Eric, you know this. Um, being a bus driver, we see um, we see the the interaction between the general population and the police all the time, and or the general population and us as bus drivers all the time. And it can be it can be very difficult at times. I tell you, I don't. I'm pretty darn sure I would not want that job. That is an extremely tough job. And you very rarely can you actually you, do you win. Go ahead. No, I don't, I don't know how people. One of the most compassionate, intelligent people I know in this world is a policeman. Uh, it totally took me by surprise that he did because this gentleman, in my opinion, has really uh, had a lot of options to do things and why he chose to put his life at risk every day for so little. Um, surprised me because you never, you never would have picked up on from him through the years in our childhood that he would end up being a cop. He was not an authoritarian. 
person. And this is part of what we do. We perceive cops as authoritarian as authoritarians, as we should. And this is where I'm going to split with Matt a little bit with my opinion, because our concept of police, and I think the police have a concept of authoritarianism that does need to be rethought. And as Kevin pointed out, we do see people, and Matt, you you rightly pointed out, there are people out there that don't uh, feel they have to work to uh, get by in this world. And it's uh, those people don't necessarily need brute force to be handled. Um, it is correct. I think our police department needs to be rethought to include people that have oh, social services as first contact, that include uh, psycholo- psychological approach to many issues, whether that's uh, domestic violence, uh, uh, what do you call that? People that are hooked on drugs, uh, people that are just plain nuts, uh, people that are just uh, kind of lost or they're young kids that uh, stole some food just to get by that just need some help. You know, whatever the situation is, I hate to put uh, a policeman in that position that frankly, we can't trade, we can't train a police officer to be everything. We do need some people to go out there like uh, SWAT teams. We need somebody with uh, that knows how to use a gun. We know we need people that know how to punch somebody in the nose. Uh, we need an authoritarian from time to time. But uh, I, I'm truly a believer that as many times as we need somebody that can be an authority, that can be an authority, we also need somebody that knows the system, knows how to help somebody or at least reach out to that person and see if that person can be brought into the fold. And here's why I say that. They've been cleaning out the homeless camps, particularly the ones by the schools. And this is an interesting concept because of course, they don't want the homeless camps near the schools because they're a safety risk. You know, they got the propane tanks going by, so the kids are at risk. You know, whatever happens, or propane can't tanks. Let's uh, be honest. Uh, many of the homeless people there are a little bit sketchy because of the drugs, and there's there's a history of child prostitution, and you know what have you that goes on there. They could buy drugs from these homeless people on the way to school. <laughs> So they want to clean them out, get them away from the school. It's a one shop, uh, one one stop shop. Yes, yes, man. Matthew, when I lived in Burien, I got a welfare hotline, welfare check, because I would see people out with carts with all their life possessions in front of a fast food place, and I would call the police, and they would talk to the person, and they told me that the police know all the homeless. They said of that town, there's enough shelter and food for everyone. These are people determined to live out on the street. And in an apartment complex I lived in, they had all these young people that would abuse the word homeless. And they would say, well, I could go to my parents, but I don't like them. It was an option of a fun circus to be with when society is not given credit for how we do provide what we have. 
And when I would volunteer for seniors, they would get targeted. People would try their luck to break the heart of a senior or intimidate, scare them to get the handout. And that appalls me at this point. Uh, society just has this momentum of free ride and we will play by our own rules. And it's the expense of the taxpayer and the police officer. They're not getting the respect and they're the consummate melting pot theory. You name the ethnic background, they represent the best law enforcement we've ever had. <laughs> Eric? <laughs> well, see. <laughs> well, so let, let me let me throw my two cents forth in here. Yeah. I, I think that in Seattle, as in everywhere in our country, we've taken the wrong approach. We are a capitalist society. We think that everybody should be able to do their on their own, but we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the ability to make sure that families stay together, to make sure that, that mentally ill people get the treatment that they need, to make sure that, that, that the police, first of all, I think the police are not only, I think they're underpaid. I think mm -hmm. the standards need to be higher. Because there are people that, that decide they want to be policemen who should not be because they're they're not good enough. What do you guys think yes. of that? I sure, yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that goes to the point where what we offer as police needs to be broadened. You know, not everybody should be carrying a gun, not everybody should be using force. They should have specialized people that can offer different services. I agree. And as far as, you know, society, that's systemic. As far as society having things to offer and people refusing to take them, that's a systemic issue. That uh, capitalism, as wonderful as it is in offering solutions for creativity and progress, it doesn't take care of, it, it's not a responsible society as a whole. Like Kevin says, we, it, it, leaves, it leaves areas where people fall in, into the honeycombs, like um, the people that really should be in, in homes, like uh, Reagan, uh, made it possible for the people that were in mental institutions to live on the streets. That should not have been done. Um, we should have programs that uh, people should be fed at schools, you know, whatever it is. I, you know, I, I'm not a guy that has the intelligence to uh, see every issue solved. And, and probably none of us here, even if we combined our efforts, could come up with every answer. But it is obvious that we have Problems. Yeah, that cat could probably answer him. But we do have <laughs> we do have problems of irresponsibility. I think we can all agree on that, whether it's self-imposed or uh, a systemic thing. Um, but it has trickled down to how do we police ourselves? That's the immediate uh, result of what we're looking at here. And Seattle's facing it in a very real way. And it's facing it because of our politics. We have a, um, we have a city council that is dividing our police department 
where it's uh, very thin and, and going to get worse and put our citizens at risk. And we have an opportunity here to really lead the nation in reinventing what a police department can do. Be yeah, Matt, go ahead and I, just speak. I greatly appreciate you, Eric. What gets me is what is the right concept when the governor says we are a type of state, which means come here if you're homeless, come here, and there's a word for that. The welfare state? Generous. Kind of, but there's a specific word. Like, a, is, is it refuge? Something like that. But anyway, the word is out. If you're out, if you're hurting, come here. Yeah. So we have an incredible amount of people coming in here that are playing by their own rules, contributing to the mayhem when we have to get on our feet with our problem with homeless and lawlessness and so forth. They've just opened up the gates and come one, come all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an unabashed, what I would call an unabashed liberal, but I'm scaring myself because I'm about to say something that's very conservative. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's, 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 you might want to okay. write this down. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. First, first thing is, whatever happened to compulsory service for kids out of high school before they go to college? Spend two years working in 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 service to the country, and Thank it's compulsory. You, you can't. You, 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 it's not a voluntary program. This Thank is something you. that I think that everybody <clears throat> that we should, as a country, demand of our youth, so that we can yeah. teach them Good how to become a human being, how to become an adult, and how to become responsible. Even if all that is is two years of how to engineer life. How to write a check? How to how to use your how to develop a savings account? How you know what I mean? And that that would be one. The other one is I think that people, in order to have a baby, need a license. <laughs> Good for you, man. What happened to that idea? That was popular at one time, wasn't it? It or was at least an idea that was floating out there. After high school, you go do some public service. It was John Kennedy who who originally and Matt, you might know this better than I. But I think it was uh, John F. Kennedy. They they put together a program that that has that has gone by the wayside. It it was not compulsory. It was a volunteer. But did you remember the name of that program way back when, Matt? His quote was, "Not don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you could do for your country." And Israel and Germany are two prime examples where after high school you serve a bit. You're really and with society serving and going by those values. Yeah, I, I think that would be one one place to start. And 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 also we have got. I, I defy either of you to look in the yellow pages and find a free place where somebody can go who is uh, manic depressive or bipolar. Number one to get diagnosed, and number two so that they can they, they can get them into the system. I don't know of such a place. Do you? Well, they claim they exist, but, uh, you know, yeah, getting there and getting through the system is a whole nother. That's why we need the cops redefined. I agree 100%. Yeah, we, we need that kind of outreach program because a lot of those people that we run into on the bus or in those streets, that is exactly. I mean, tell me that woman that I pull up to on 12th Avenue 
that walks out in front of my bus and drops her pants and goes number two in front of me, tell me that she's okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's something wrong there. I don't mind saying that. Something wrong with her. She's just fine. She's just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. I love this topic, and I like your input, each of you. And what gets me is the police... There's an upside. I know of a police officer who took someone homeless and who's living out of a car and it worked out. They provided. Now, maybe that's bending the rules a bit one way, but a glorified good Samaritan. The police are kind of punching bag target and they generally start off as decent, caring person because you don't get rich off of this job. You're lucky if you make it to retirement. And yes, I really like that Eric pointed out that we need specialties. We need those who are marksmen and hopefully never to be called upon those who are very good with specific elements of social work that blend that our society is made up of good and bad so i like this instead of just one size fits all the specialists out there that, that's really good eric well i think that's what we need you know we well, have an opportunity here in seattle to do it We've got the, you know, in when you first started, you were talking about the the number of big businesses here. What that equates to is we have a huge tax base, which is why the uh, um, which is by why the Seattle uh, Council is making these weird things because they've got the money to do it, uh, and the mentality. This is where the big business comes in because they have a stake in this, and. What big companies really don't want us to know is that they have a stake in society. Amazon, as big of a footprint as they have in this city, and face it, they changed this city. They did. They changed this city. And every city in this country knows how they changed Seattle. And when Amazon went to those other cities that wanted to start their second uh, home corporate home that had an effect on the bidding process they said oh well homing, housing prices went up uh you guys don't want to pay taxes you don't want to do this so we this has got to happen this has got that's got to happen we have to plan for this it got very complicated it's not like boeing saying turn off the lights we're leaving it's not like that anymore it's a whole complicated. There's a whole, there's a whole political and educational process. They want to breed. Now, yes, these very corporations. Boeing talks about Carolina, Microsoft, just inside of Vancouver. They have a Plan B safety net ready to go. They're not always going to be there for us unless we play ball with them. They say that, but. They need the pool of education. And wherever they go, they're going to have the same effect on the town that they go to. This is not something they can escape from. They have imprinted a society or an element of society that will forever follow whatever it is they do. In fact, they have birthed a culture. They have. And uh, in, in um, what is it, South Carolina, is that where they're at as well? Yeah. Uh, that's a non-union facility. And yeah. this is a union facility for here for, for now. now. Yeah. But they're going to end up because and they have such a special, well, 
I want you to think about this. Boeing with the with the uh, uh, 787 and with what they're trying to do, they're trying to make it so that they can dumb down the ability for people to put these planes together. And you can you have to have a certain amount of expertise to be able to do that. And uh, and so the union's workforce has that expertise. You can't hire somebody for fifteen dollars off the street or twenty dollars off the street and get the same kind of expertise as a union worker can offer you. Uh, go ahead and yell at me if you want. I am very close to a Boeing worker in that mix, and they say maybe Carolina now is non-union, but if Boeing goes there with it, the union will flourish as well because that's what the whole package is. It's what you're saying. Yeah, because as it should be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah, as it should Absolutely. be. We always want the best out of our workers. And let's face it, as workers ourselves, we want to do the best work we can do. Well, and, and, the, and the other thing, back to our original point, they have to have Amazon, Boeing, all these guys. Uh, they, they have to have a workforce that, can, that lives in a place that's safe. That they feel like that the police are there for their protection, and that they don't have to worry about their own their own lives and livelihoods, so that they so that they can live. <laughs> I think you just said infrastructure, right? I, I did, and it's the, they need great infrastructure. We need great policing. We need we we need to. I I agree with you, Eric. I think we need to start at the very beginning and redo the entire thing because it ain't working, Matt. This is off on a tangent a little bit, but the same topic. New York City has gone back and forth the right to randomly frisk, and they confiscated an awful lot of armed people who should not have been armed. And from there, the homicides have greatly dropped, but people cry foul, I'm being violated. What do you two have to say about the police having that option? Is this a stop and frisk thing from uh, the Booker, yes. or is this contemporary? Yeah, this well, is, this is it, from... It's from Bush on forward, because the mayor of New York has gone back and forth with it. I'm on the fence on that. Um, I'm on the fence on that. I think it's, if they if the police have a reason, if they're stopping people because they're truly suspicious of their behavior and they can do so by proving <laughs> that they're doing it uh, based on real things like the guy ran out of a liquor store with stuff under his coat and we were suspicious of his behavior, then um, that makes sense to me. If they're doing it because the guy was walking down the street and he avoided eye contact with me, um, then uh, we were suspicious. I have a problem with that. So, you know, again, that's a tough question. You know, I'm really glad you asked that question, Matt, because that's really one of those questions that, ooh, that's a tough one to answer because how do you, uh, how do you, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, Eric, you're a bus driver, right? I think so. Yes. I'll find out tomorrow. In the in the thing that's called the book, which is the rules of, of bus driving. Yes. If I get on your bus 
and I have a gas can, do you let me on your bus? No. Because it's a dangerous substance. And and so uh, we can deny entry to somebody who's got a gas can. I walk onto your bus and I've got a nine millimeter strapped to my um, strapped to my hip. Can I get on your bus? Yes. That is the stupidest thing I can. <laughs> that is just so unbelievably. See, I think we <clears throat> the first thing is Washington state is an open carry state. Which means you can carry a gun. You don't have to be licensed for it. You don't have to register it. You can carry it at any time you want to. Um, and I think those sorts of things need to be addressed first. And I know, Matt, you probably disagree with that, but go ahead. Well, where I came from had a lot of West Side story to it. I've had a friend shot in class. I've had a friend stabbed in class. In my neighborhood, I had a gun pointed at me. And somebody yelled, shoot, and someone said, no, I think that's Matt. And so freely, I've had friends who shot people playing with these weapons. And so we have far too many out and far too many not qualified having them. And that's got to be addressed. you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, not to hurt people. But I am not against guns. I understand the NRA but again, to coincide by the laws we actually have and don't budge on them. Well, here's, here's, uh, this is what's interesting to me, because as you guys know, uh, the COVID situation has now gotten a little bit lighter and we expect to be able to have barbecues this summer with uh, some of our best friends we can have over. You guys are going to come over this summer and we're going to barbecue in my yard. Yeah. And we'll get to play yard games. But uh, the bad news is I don't have any yard darts. <laughs> so I went online. I went online to, to find out if I could order some. And it's illegal to order yard darts. But I can order some AK-47s online. So here's a solution. <laughs> I, I can order some... Uh, rings you know some you know rings like this and i can space them you know one end of the yard to the other and i can order a couple ak-47s and we can just sort of shoot them into the air and aim for those bullets to land into those discs because that's perfectly legal and that that'll be our you know that'll be our yard darts i'll call them yard 47s <laughs> I, no, I had no idea yard darts are actually legal <clears throat> there well you can buy them if they already exist so if you're at a uh, oh, a, a trade fair or you know an antique store and you run into some yard darts, you can buy them, but you can't buy them new. Is it going by way of the Dr. Seuss books? No, that was self-imposed. That company decided they didn't want to offend people with a couple of those books that were, you know, I, I don't I don't recall which ones they were, but they you know had some racial tones to them. So they decide, well, we have, you know, these hundred or so books. We don't need to offend anybody because these other 98-some books will work just fine for everyone. But the yard darts, you know, um, I guess they killed a couple of people. A couple of people got hurt some back in the 70s. And, you know, I don't know how many people have been hurt by AK-47s. I, I don't know. But, uh, but AK-47s don't do it. People do it. Yard darts apparently are are you know they will hurt you. So it's I, go ahead, Matt. 
I love playing yard darts, did it all the time. It reminds me of the 4th of July. They have statistics for more killed celebrating the holiday than the ones who died in battle giving us independence. A question I have is, we know, where, we, we know where Algona and Pacific are. They're side by side. One allows fireworks. The other does not. I think it's one city block, an intersection where you can't or can't. Where I'm going with this is, is it time to make everything federal across the board? So no matter who or what, we're at least on the same page. There's another fine question. Here's another fine question. <clears throat> because because. from my perspective, you've got to have local, because every community is is local in its base and it changes, and it's based upon what's happening with them locally. But still, uh, I think that there should be some rules of the road that we all live by. Uh, for, for instance, it, it's illegal. I, I'm pretty sure that it's illegal to kill somebody in all 50 states. Isn't that true? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I almost said it, but I'm just going to agree. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. But I'm, but I'm pretty is. sure. It is illegal, yeah. Uh, but there are some things that California wants to do differently than we want to do. And and and, and I, I can tell you, Matt, have you, have you been down south or back east? No, not, not recently, but I have been there. You 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 know how different you know, oh, more, yes. more in the in the southern United States like uh, uh, Arkansas and Missouri and and uh, Georgia and all those it, it's a, it's a different culture it is a it completely is. different culture when I drove semi long haul different states different laws and a lot of times you had to stop at the boundary line because you'd have to adjust your trailer to be legal from that stretch of interstate going through that state, how many wow. trailers you could pull, so on and so forth. Some states, one in particular, doesn't like semis using flashers. And so it goes, Wow. yeah, it's like going through Europe, all these small countries, driving a truck, it's not the same rule. And that includes the speed limit. California, I believe, has you pegged at 55. Other places let you take it up to 60, 70. And that'd be based on like Montana. I think they're like seventy, aren't they? Yes. And these, they were one of the last to adhere to a federal standard. They were like speedless, and that was based on population because right, it was like know. an autobahn in its own right. And I believe you could haul triple trailers there and also in Nevada, but not everywhere. But again, it's musical chairs. Who's on first? Yeah. And a person could wander into another state and plead ignorance because that's not how I was raised. I'm law-abiding. Sure. I've never been arrested before. That argument. Yeah. Paulette, isn't it true you guys have more sheep than humans? <laughs> it said, it would say that again? I missed that. I think she's out there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, she, she is. <laughs> But say what you said again. I didn't, I didn't get it. About what? Do they have more? That Montana has more sheep than humans. I think oh, what do they have? We understand. They have 500,000. They have like 500,000 people in the whole state of Montana. And Montana yeah. is like bigger than what? Six of our states combined? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and of course, who wants to live there? But but besides that, you know, and they've got 
<laughs> the speed limit is 70 miles an hour over most of it, but it's not over 75 in some cases. In Texas, going between I I it just floored me. Going between Houston, no, it, where was I? Um, Dallas. No, wait a minute. This is Arizona. Scratch that. Arizona between Phoenix, <laughs> between Phoenix and Tucson, the speed limit is ninety. Really, on the freeway, it's ninety. Wow, wow. I got to go there. I hate Texas. I got to go there again. I guess. Well, this is Arizona, but the, yeah. oh, Arizona. Sorry. Uh, and Paulette says, "Well, hold on. Excuse me." <laughs> What did you What did you do, or did you, or did you think that I did something? <laughs> that I just need to be excused. Yeah, you said nobody wants to live in Montana. Oh, <laughs> I like Montana. I do too. Montana yeah. is a beautiful state. Yep, and they Don't have the highest the word out. Don't get the right. word they out. Have, yep. And they have the highest per capita of millionaires of any any uh, any state in uh, the union. Oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. That's, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. When I was driving tour bus. I was in a city, and I took what I thought was a natural free right, and I was told, no, if you look into our rules here of the city, the driving, you cannot take a free right in this area. Well, it's just a given, an unwritten rule that you can do that everywhere, at least have a sign saying I can't. But how innocent. I didn't get a ticket, but I never heard about one before. You get these peculiar things from little towns to little towns, and you're doing your very best to do it right. See, that's called a fundraiser. <laughs> that's I get it. Those people don't have big tax bases, so you're the tax base <laughs> as you go through town. <laughs> All right. Who's okay. next? <laughs> so. <laughs> Let's go. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? Let's let's. I'm doing fine, thank you. Let's go back to talking about. Uh, uh, of course, we all had our way. I got. It. I know what. I know. I know. I, know. I got it. Got it. Got it. If you guys were king of the country, what's the one law that you would enact for the entire country? That isn't currently in 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 play. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about like the Ten Commandments and stuff, stealing—that's pretty much everywhere, and all that kind of stuff. But if there was one law that you um, could enforce for the entire country, what would it be? One one law. One law. Go Matt. ahead. I don't know if we have the technology to do this. But if we had technology that would let the police know if somebody was armed, that would put a proper spin on things instead of the person was unarmed or wait a minute, they are armed. So that there was just a way of knowing that, and that's all of us, just so that you understand what type of situation you're getting into or not. That's a, that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good that's thing. If, if we're able to do that. Well, I mean, intelligent, uh, yeah, yeah, and part of the problem, though, is and this I don't quite understand because, uh, um, if a cop, if I get pulled over by a cop and the cop says, 
on your knees, on your face, get hands behind your back, get down. I uh, am going to get down. I'm going to obey what the police officer has said because he said that I, I he wanted me to do that. We have a lot of people who don't subscribe to, well, I didn't do anything. Why should I, why should I get down because I didn't do anything? Well, there's a reason why he put you on the ground. And then, and then th there have been many people that have died because of that. They refuse to cooperate. Matt? Have you seen the new Florida law or Florida law proposal? No. Okay. Uh, I should have sent it to each of you instead of just reading it. But uh, they've gotten very harsh on certain rules to get back to the basics of cooperation. So what, so what do they do if you choose not to cooperate? Well. <clears throat> my understanding that with our Constitution, the moment somebody resists arrest, they have lost their rights. I'm not 100% sure that that would be that would be 100% accurate there, sir. At uh, one at one time, it initially was, and it might have changed because you always have criminals wanting rights. But initially, you're to cooperate. You're to do that. Because these problems we're having, a lot of times it's someone with an obscure past who decided to go against the grain and push went to shove instead of walk through the motions. The George Floyd thing, there were those witnessing saying, just cooperate, cooperate with the officers. There were those saying that when they watched it. Well, but there were, but he was handcuffed. Oh, yes. On his face. Yes. Initially, it led, it led up to that. He shouldn't have lost his life there. But initially, it was the refusal and then reaching to that level of that. We wish it never happened. And you and you know why I think that it's that's happening and Eric I like your viewpoint on this is because there is such amount of fear by a segment of our population that if you are accosted if you are stopped by by a police officer that you are in your your life is in danger. They assume, it is. It is. They assume that from the very beginning that their life is in danger, even if they haven't done anything wrong. Um, and so that's, in some cases, that's why they fight and, and, and fight to run or, and get, and the guy who fell asleep in the drive through who you remember that story, who uh, fell asleep in the drive through because he'd had too much to drink. The police came, they moved his car. They talked to him for an hour. Then one of the cops decided that they were going to arrest him. Um, and so he started to run, and he got shot in the back and killed. That's happening well, way and, too much. And here's to your point. There's people of color out there whose lives are in danger. Statistically, that's been proven out. Right. I have several friends of color who have raised their sons who fear every day for their lives and have had multiples of conversations throughout their lives about how to behave if they get pulled over. Right. how to cooperate, what to say, what to, how to move, how to move. 
Now, yep. we have to think about that. How would we move? Now, to put that in perspective, if you guys remember the gentleman that uh, shot a number of people here a couple of years ago, and the policeman captured this guy alive after he shot several people. The guy was in the back of the car, complained that he was hungry. So they bought him, on a, they bought him a burger on the way to jail. That guy was white. Yeah. That kind of puts it in perspective. Hey, man, I'm hungry. And uh, he got a burger on his way to jail. That didn't happen to the guy that fell asleep in the food. Uh, the guy that was picking up from some fast food, he fell asleep in the car. Um, he got killed. That didn't happen to the guy that uh, allowed the handcuffs onto his back and cooperated. Uh, it was choked out over over nine minutes and 40-some seconds. And the list goes on. You know, the woman with uh, the 16-year-old woman with the knife, I forget her name. And I don't know the complete story on that. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, I'm on the fence on that. I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not fully versed in the facts on that to comment. But uh, if she has a lethal weapon, I don't know why she couldn't have been shot in the leg. But that's on, on the surface, I have to bow to the policeman's judgment at the time and not knowing the full case of the, not knowing the full case. This is one of those instances where I have to say, okay, well, maybe the policeman had to make a split decision and he took her down. But I wonder how come he didn't shoot her in the leg and take her down, incapacitate her. He has to be at least a good enough shot to do that. You think? You'd think, but at the but at the same time, and I know the the one you're referring to, she was going after another girl, and was going to stab that other girl, and see? Uh, and and you could see it clearly that she was had her arm back, and you could clearly see the knife because she was had she was out of her mind with rage of some see? kind. Then then he may have done the right thing, and that's sad, but it it is truth. And it's uh, certainly true through statistics that there are people out there of color that have reason to fear the police. And they, they have fear whenever they see a cop car pull behind them, no matter what stage in life they are. It's happened to congressmen. It's happened to doctors. It's even happened to a judge. It's happened to a, a, a police a captain. I, I forget his name, but he actually ran a police department. And he got pulled over, and he was brutalized. And boy, where did heads roll? Yeah. Well, I have a good friend that is. She's she's a white lady. She's married to a black man. They have two kids, um, and they're both mixed race, and they both look African American. She has on their phones. She has a, and somehow they've got it hooked up so that if he gets stopped, it automatically goes to her phone so that he, so that he can she she can go to wherever he is to protect him from the police officer and she's had that conversation with him as a matter of fact there's a podcast that you should listen to that hands on the steering wheel don't look left don't look right do not say anything have your paperwork in order um and comply 
comply with whatever the policeman wants. If, if you comply, there should be no problem. But we're finding out that even when you comply, there are problems. Um, it, it, it's we've got a, we've got big old bad problems in that in that respect, and it's got to change somehow. And, and you guys are smarter than me. How? I you know I Matt, think just the re- go ahead, Matt. This is just a question I'm throwing up in the air. We're talking about defunding one way. If we took it the extreme opposite and you had quite a bit out there, so you had this strength, momentum, and unity, so it wasn't one guy being trigger-happy and playing it safe. It was a group that had a firm control of a situation. And I'm simply asking, is that a possibility that might work favorably? You mean overfund the police? So you have a large police force? Yes. But but again, you we you would as we were talking initially, it would have to be an education construed and how best policy so that we get through this thing without having a mishap. Because that's the key behind it. I think I think if even though nobody's asking my opinion, but I I think that in my opinion, we need to fund our criminal justice system, our healthcare system. Oh damn! Did I say healthcare system? Oh, my. I think you did. I think you did. Oh, geez. it could be Obamacare. It could be. We need. We need to be. We need as a country to fund our day to day living and our health and our well being, and to make sure that the police are funded well enough that they have different departments. It by calling the police does not necessarily mean that you need to have a gun with mace and a nightstick come to a domestic violence deal that's not, well, that's a poor example. Um, There was a guy, he was, I just read about it this morning. He, uh, Hispanic individual, he was sitting on a park bench, he was drunk. Uh, Somebody called because he was acting a little bizarre, which happens when you're drunk. And so the police came and they spent time with him and then, then one of them made the decision that they were going to take him to jail. He took upset. He said, "I haven't done anything. I, I, I don't want to go to jail." And I've seen this, by the way, in my own personal life. I've seen this happen a bunch, where somebody will say, "I haven't done anything wrong, and I don't want to go to jail." And then the police grab him, and then it escalates, and then it escalates, and it escalates, and then it's take him to the ground, and then it's. He's not going to the ground. So now you've got a fist fight between a cop and a guy who doesn't want to go to the ground because he's drunk. He has done nothing wrong. But in his mind, why can't we have somebody that is um, not as confrontational or a department, a part of the police force that is not confrontational that we can send out there that can sit there and talk? talk to the guy for for a period of time i'll give you an example there was a guy that got on my bus one time and uh, and i was driving down to south center on the 150 and i look in my rear view mirror and there is this individual he had gotten on the back of the bus so i never had a chance to look at him and uh he was splayed out in the by the articulated section completely out uh, on his back, his arms and his legs spread, 
nobody moved. Nobody said, hey, buddy, are you alive or anything? They just, you know, people are people anyway. So I go. So I stopped the bus because when you have somebody that's like that, you, you know, you got it. So I stopped the bus, went back there. I could not wake him up. So I so then I called for for assistance. The supervisors came. They could not wake him up. Mm. And so he was still down. And then then the policeman came. And in this in this case, this was a King County cop. Great guy. Did a wonderful job. And the guy's still lying there. And he says, wake up, buddy, wake up. And then he takes his finger and he rubs his eyeball with his finger. The cop did or the drunk the cop did. No, the, cop, the the guy still wasn't awake, so the, the cop rubbed his uh, eyeball with his finger, and that generate apparently, they know how to do that stuff, not to hurt him, but to generate enough awareness in him so the guy would wake up. So the guy woke up, and a picture of the guy. He's drunk. He doesn't know where he is exactly, and he's got a bunch of people staring at him, including a cop who's looking at him. <laughs> It's really easy at that moment for that guy to go, "Oh shit, I'm in a whole bunch of trouble, and I'm going to get, I'm going to try and get out of here and whatever." And the cop was beautiful. He said, "No, man, we just want to make sure you weren't dead. You're not in any trouble. You're not in any trouble. So I'll tell you what. Let me help you get off the bus so that these nice people can continue to go, and then I'll get you what you need so that you'll be okay." Wow. And the guy complied. Because he, the cop was taking a I'm caring for you attitude, not I'm going to beat the hell out of you attitude. So he had a nice positive outlook. The guy gets up, kind of. Cop has to help him up. And the supervisor on one arm, cop on the other, and they take him out off of the bus. And, and I don't know what happened after that because I, I continued to go. But why can't we do more of that, Matt? Kevin? I was criminal justice in college and a statistic I heard throughout my entire life, and it still might hold true maybe, that most police officers killed on duty are killed by their own gun because they were too trusting, warm, and then the element of surprise happened. And we don't want to lose anyone, but you have to play it very safe. And so there's quite a controversy here you like a happy ending and it's all fun and warm but things happen out there and all the time we lose an officer being that type of good person yeah that may be true and i i i I hope that that's not true because that it was such a good story too oh that's wonderful how that played out that was beautiful yeah but matt you ruined it now i'm sad Sorry, dude. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I guess you know that, that follows fact. You know, if there's a gun in the home, there's a bigger chance of uh, death in the home. Oh, there is. My, you know, uh, and I, and I, I got to point out that uh, cops in Europe are less likely to have guns. Guys in England, the cops don't have guns. France, the French don't have guns. So, so what do we do with the? Here's the here's the question of the hour. And maybe we should save it. No, I'll ask it now. Uh, what do we do with the 300 million guns that we currently have on the streets? Well, (laughs) 
Matt, what do you think? What do we do with all? We've got we got more guns, almost more guns than we got people, and uh, and how how do how do we how do we get them out of the bad people's hands? Especially since, well, I'll give you an example. My brother, my brother-in-law committed suicide. He had several guns. He he took his, his own life via suicide. So um, there was a gun shop down by where he lived, and uh, I took I took the twelve uh, gauge shotgun that he owned, and I took it there, and I said, "Can you tell me who this belongs to?" The guy thought I was crazy because I, I I he said, "Well." How would we know? I said, well, aren't these things registered? I've never owned a gun. I won't own a gun. But he said, aren't these things registered? Or I said, aren't these things ready? And he said, no. So we have no earthly idea. So literally, I could have taken that gun and sold it to somebody else. And and there's no trail. And that guy could have taken that gun and killed somebody. And there still would be no trail. It was either Time or Newsweek. Many years ago, it was a gun that kept getting stolen from household to household, and the bullets traced to the many homicides until finally they melted it. Because I believe that's a practice to melt a gun if you've had certain bad history with it. Initially, I commented about, do we stop and search people at random because it's for the good of the whole? And if there was some way, maybe the military has something we're not aware of to actually know who has what at a present time, if one's in a car or not. Um, I once broke up a mugging. I did that in West Seattle years ago. I got reprimanded a little bit because they said, you have to understand those people carry guns. They have it. And I said, we're all losing here. And I couldn't live with myself seeing this old man get it. Uh, but anyway... I obviously made it through the old man did. The teenagers ran off. They were white kids. And I don't know how it played out. But uh, again, it's a healthy fear. To answer the question, I think people should be frisked at random because of the imbalance we have and um, go with that. And if there's a way to figure out who has what a technology, go with that. Not to disarm a legal owner who doesn't have an arsenal. Well, here's, well, a, here's okay. a fun fact. Uh, 3D printers, you can print your own gun now. Yeah. <laughs> Untraceable gun and, and print one. And that's the technology. And, Matt, I would be curious, just curious to know if you thought this through enough to under what, because if, if a cop, has the ability to stop anybody at random for any reason that leaves open the door for a bad cop to do whatever he wants. That's very true. And then we have things where like the state of California can check you. If you have types of produce that can't cross uh, going to the Canada, when the borders are open, they have that ability. So somewhere along the line, like the DUI checkpoints they have, something in that effect that we're all getting it there's no positive answer you can't take them all away but we got too much out and the youth problem i don't own a gun because my home has been broken into through the years and i don't know what's going on and maybe they had a gun but at least they don't have another one that's which is which is really good i you know it's it's weird 
I have never been broken into, don't own a gun, never had one, never had anything of value in my house because I'm basically poor. Um, and so, you know, I've never had anything, never been broken into, never, never had. Of course, I've never lived in, I know that you are a world-famous author. And so <laughs> when, when people come talk to you about your authoring and stuff, they assume that you're a rich guy. So I guess, I, I don't know. I'm not, but I've had people write me and what, who, me, that type of thing. When my homes were broken into, I don't have anything of value. I was really curious what they took. It amused me that I had insurance. It just bothered me that whoever did it was probably armed and they're getting good at it. And what about my neighbors? Am I going to read about them in the newspaper? Well, what did they steal? Oh, gosh, they got a big boxy microwave oven I got as a wedding gift many, many years ago, myself being divorced over 30 years. They, um, God, what else? I think they took my wedding ring, but I was divorced. I had it somewhere, so it wasn't really sentimental value. Somebody's got it now. Good luck, that type of thing. Well, jewelry I can see, but stealing a, a microwave? I, I, think, I think they had to leave with something. Something to show for the effort. And so they got that of all things. I might have given them five bucks to take it. Now I got some more counter space. <laughs> by, by the way, um, I, I wanted to ask, since we're having this uh, this discussion and Paulette is joining us, she's listening to us. Um, I, wanted, I wanted her opinion. Is having the three of us together fun to listen to? I would love your opinion on that. So you can, you can just, you, well, you know how to comment. So, um, but in any event, Matt Shea is the author. Uh, Matt, where do they go and find your your books, your audio book, and, and all of that? Well, I have a website I'm proud of because it has you on it, Kevin, and it is mattsheabooks.net. A lot of free stuff, free audio book. You did a spectacular job on one of my stories. Spectacular. We have it on there. And then you and I did another project, A Barrel Full of Monkeys. A lot of fun stuff. It is, if it isn't free, it's dirt cheap. It's, it's virtually dirt cheap. I'll tell you that right now. And, uh, but, but get, go to his, and your website again is mattshabebooks.net. Yes. And that, and go, go, go download uh, Elmo. Elmo is a great read. It's an audio book, and it's, it's and I voiced it, but it's it's really is a good read. Anyway, and in the near future, I'm going to have some Eric Hall books on my <laughs> website with websites to contact that author. Thank you. Good, <laughs> very good. Yes, sir, Eric. Oh, I I read the or listened to that uh, one recently uh, of the guy that was uh, trying struggling for his place in life. And everybody was, was moving on and he's contacting all his friends and I uh, was trying to start fights with people. And that was a great the story. The Town Terror? Yeah, The Town Terror. My mother and father, that book was dedicated. That book has 20 stories in it. And that was their specific most favorite story, The Town Terror. Uh, it was a good story. Thank you. Thank that you. It was a good story. Yeah, thank you. Thank now, did you. you read it or listen to it? I listened to it. Uh, you know, he voiced that. He did a marvelous job, didn't he? It was terrific. It was just terrific. Yeah. That was me, you silly man. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Paulette, Paulette said lots of th- oh here, let me put put that up for everybody. Um and now what <laughs> what did I say that I end up in podcast for? Just because I don't want to move to Montana? In big sky country, you'll have the biggest doghouse I've ever seen. <laughs> That's right. But I will tell you that it's on my bucket list that I hope to do this summer, and that is to go through Montana to to just south of Yellowstone where Custer's last stand site is. Little Bighorn. I love that. My buddy Steve, my favorite mechanic I retired with, he's from Hamilton. And in one day, we drove over 1,000 miles staying within the state of Montana. And among other things, yes, we saw Little Bighorn. And oh, uh, see it. It's it's incredible. Wow. I'm I'm going to, because I know how it ended. (laughs) Don't tell me. (laughs) <laughs> no i know i know how custer died so but that's yeah. that's between he and i that's so. another story yeah it, it is indeed um okay i we've been doing this for a while it's this is a lot of fun matt will you come back and if it's all right with eric will you come back next week and hang yeah. out with us i love doing radio with you guys kevin we've done quite a bit together at um hanging out with you guys the other night that was so much fun uh Yes, great. I love it. Great. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. So this is the point of the program where both of you get to say anything that you want to say, regardless of what it is, to our audience. And um, Matt, you're the newcomer. You go first. I appreciate how you stick your neck out there, and we will take something of controversy meaning well. And so we're just showing light, not necessarily taking a side. We had a very sensitive issue today, meaning well, how can we better and when people call in, write in, now we're something. Now we're going somewhere with it. So this is an open floor for those watching, listening. Please make contact. Please join us, and thank you. Absolutely. Eric? Well said. Be activated. Be activated. Be kind to people. Uh, plan ahead. Plan ahead. Absolutely. I'm trying to think. Then. Let's see. I've got... Um, t-shirt material coming out um but the one that came um, well they're going to be t-shirts with sayings on them one of the one of the sayings is going to say uh um heal your shit i just happen to like that one and uh and then then another one is uh but but the, the new one that i that i came across yesterday and this is a mantra that everybody can live by and uh this was a uh, Coriel Kramer, who does the Tuesday show, she lost a cat. Now she's an animal communicator, and uh, and I and this particular cat she loved and dearly loved. And when the cat, when she, they had to put the cat down, and the cat told her, "No regrets." That's how I want all of us to live our lives. No nice. regrets. Every moment, every day, live it to your fullest. Take care of each other. Be kind to each other and do not regret. Do not leave room for regrets. That there's something in your life that you wanted to do that you didn't do. So I'm going to the Little Bighorn. Uh, so, but we, with that, guys, thank you so much. And Paulette, thank you for being our, our silent person there. Thing. Thank you, Paulette. Good to see you. And gentlemen, um, next Wednesday at noon. 
Absolutely. Good to see you, Matt. We'll see you then. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.